0: The Sunday Sermons Podcast. We are starting a new series today, and it's called "Put the Hammer Down." What does that mean? It's going to mean six different things. It's going to mean something different every single week. So, if you want to know the answer, you got to come back every single time. Is that a deal? Uh, but this morning, the hammer refers to a gavel. It, it, it's the idea of putting the hammer down in the sense that you make a final call, the way a judge does. And specifically, it's talking about what's called a landmark decision, where in in the law or in other areas of life as well, someone makes a choice that shapes all the choices that come after that. In America, we have had several landmark decisions that have been made, mostly by the Supreme Court, that have shaped our country in good ways and bad ways. One of my favorite ones, one of the good ones, is Brown versus the Board of Education in 1954. This one not only desegregated our schools, but it also basically crippled the Jim Crow laws effectively. That landmark decision started to make it possible for the civil rights movement and many other changes that were made after that and still need to be made in many ways. But that landmark decision shaped things. Does this make sense? Are we tracking so far? That one decision affected all the ones that are to come. In the same spirit of that, the way we do our our lessons here, call them what you want, sermons, Bible studies, whatever. What we try to do is build on the things as we go. We're going somewhere every single year. If you missed some of the ones several months ago, here's some of the things you missed. And what we're doing right now builds on all of those. You can find them. You can listen to them as podcasts, watch them as videos. It's all online. It's on iTunes. It's on Spotify. It's everywhere. And I encourage you to listen to those. Uh, Here's some places we've been. One was we talked about how to listen to the Spirit. If we can't hear the voice of God in us, we can't follow him. And we need to hear the Spirit. We talked about how church is where God and you and others intersect. It's not just about you and your ideas and what you get out of it. It's not even just about God. God will always choose to try to connect people with each other and with himself. It's not just about serving others for random reasons. Church happens where all three of those connect. Does this sound familiar to anybody, I hope? These are foundational to the kind of thing that we're talking about today. We talked about how to find your rhythm, that it's important that all of us use the spiritual disciplines and figure out exactly what God wants each one of us to do. Over the Christmas season, we celebrated what Jesus did and also that we are drawn into that story, into that great adventure. And that is where we are. Last week, we had a one-off that was kind of a surprise to all of us, including me. But we remember together that the decisions that we make in the direction of God have to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's. Even if he doesn't do things the way we expect him to, we will be faithful. At the time, I didn't realize how much that would tie into this one, even though we've been working on this for a long time. But that is a landmark decision. That choice to say, I know God can do this, and I believe he will. And even if he does not, the choice has already been made. That is a landmark decision. And that's what we're talking about today. To do all of these things, and in all of these ways to seek God. So the first thing we're asking each other to do this morning is to make the call. Let's say this out loud together. We must make the call. And by make the call, I mean you've got that gavel in your heart and you go, from now on, everything belongs to Jesus. Following Jesus has to begin with a landmark decision. Anything less just isn't even anything like what the Bible describes following Jesus to look like. And this landmark decision to follow him regardless, follow him whether we understand everything he says or even agree with it, where we start out on the journey or not, we accept his leadership, period. That is how it works. And we all make a lot of those choices all through life. This isn't just in the life in in our relationship to jesus so i know that we understand how to do this my wife kimberly is sitting over there almost 28 years ago i made a landmark decision to do the rest of my life with this lady i'm thankful but that has shaped the direction of every choice i've made ever since good ways bad ways fun ways painful ways God has blessed my life in thousand ways. But that was a landmark decision. Are you following me on this? That's how this worked. And, and your mortgage, your job, uh, it's, there's so many different ways. But once those choices are made, here's the cool thing. Once I got married, I didn't have to date anymore. I didn't have to even think about it anymore. It's not that there stopped being godly women or attractive women in the world. But, but that choice is done. It's over. Now I can concentrate on other things. uh, The rest of that energy just goes to getting to know her better and serving her better. A landmark decision, hear me on this, this is so important, it sets you free. And when we make the landmark decision to follow Jesus, it sets us free in ways that nothing else can Another metaphor that Jesus liked to use about the way we have to start our journey with him is a door. In Matthew 7, he said, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. He also said this, Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Again, this is not saying we don't love them, right? Everybody understands that. In fact, most of what Jesus taught us about is how to live a life of love modeled after the way that he loved, a selfless kind of love, a self-sacrificial kind of love every day. But here's what this means. When it comes down to it, if you rearrange your moral choices if you rearrange your personal choices based on something your children or your parents or someone else does over how you rearrange everything based on what jesus says you're not following jesus at all the landmark decision has to be jesus comes first no matter who else is in the equation. He goes on, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. In 1972, there was a rugby team that was in an uh, airplane flying over the Andes Mountains and it crashed. Their story is told in a book and later a movie called Alive. In the movie, it's portrayed, uh, this is a clip or scene from the movie. In, in, the, in the movie it's portrayed as a very heroic thing. They made the choice, they made the call to do whatever it took to stay alive. And of course, a lot of them died in the crash and a lot of them died little by little, but the ones who survived, survived by eating the flesh of the ones who had died. And, and, and all of us in here are like, oh, you're kidding, oh, that's so gross, and I agree. But they made the call, we're gonna do whatever it takes to stay alive. I, I'm one of those weird people who actually likes di- um, Documentaries better than the actual movies. There's a documentary that came out the same year as that movie called Alive 20 years later One thing that really struck me in that documentary was that every single one of those people those survivors Being interviewed they all said they wished they wouldn't have made that call once they survived and they got home, they had to look everybody else in the eye and tell that story and hear that story being told the rest of their lives. And they just, they, they wish they would have died on the mountain. I'm not judging them either way. Sorry if that's a gross illustration, but this is the power of making a call in one direction or another. It takes us in directions we never imagined we could go either direction, good or bad. And whatever choice we make, we end up facing the consequences of those choices one way or another. Good or bad, right or wrong, landmark decisions take us Somewhere and change not only the choices we make, but the consequences we face on the other side. Again, that's why we have to make the choice to follow Jesus. Paul writes in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me And gave himself for me. As always, Jesus models the way he wants us to love others. He models the kind of choices he wants us to make. In Matthew 16, we see him setting up things, helping his disciples, at least trying to help them understand what was about to happen. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders. The chief priests and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Notice something real quick. Notice how he must be. It's because he'd already made a landmark decision that this is going to happen. Jesus has infinite power, but he limits himself by the choices that he makes. That's the incarnation. That's so many other things, and that's this. He, he didn't have to. He said, "If he, I'm sure you remember this. He said, I could call down thousands of angels just like that, and they would save me from getting killed. I willingly give my life. Why? Because he'd already chosen to do so. We go on. Peter took him aside to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. We'll talk more about that term that we translate as human in a moment. But let's keep going what Jesus is telling them. He says, whoever, notice he's saying the same thing again, just slightly different words. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? It's, it's, It's amazing to me, and I'm one of those people. It's amazing what we do to stay alive. Amazing how much we panic when we're in a situation where we or someone else we love is actually in danger of ending their journey on this planet. When we know, we all know that death is inevitable, right? And yet, in the moment, every single one of us, we're scared to death of it. But there's really nothing we can do to save our lives. That's the crazy thing. There is something we can do to save our souls, and that's to make the landmark decision to surrender everything to Jesus once and for all. And that's what he calls us to do. If you would, uh, there's going to be a couple words on here It's the end of the sentence. We're going to say the first thing we said, we must make the call and end it with this, to let God make the call. Let's say that together. We must make the call to let God make the call. Ultimately, this is the hardest part, but it's the simplest part. This is the landmark decision. This is what we have to decide to follow Jesus. God gets the final word on everything. Everything. We, we don't justify ourselves, and we don't justify the people that we love when they mess up. We say, hey, it's God making the rules, period. That's it. We don't condemn ourselves. And we don't condemn those we love when they break those rules. That's up to God. He's the one holding the gavel, the hammer, if you will. We make the call to let God make the call, but that shapes all of our decisions, all of our moral boundaries, all of our choices for the good and against the bad. That's what we point everyone else to is God's rules. Sometimes that's easy, sometimes that's hard. One of the ones I struggle with starts here, Romans 13, 1 to 5. I've only put a few of the words in that passage up there, but like always, that whole passage and several other things are in the Bible study that comes with this message. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, Paul writes, for there is no authority except that which God has established. He wraps up that that section, he says, It is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Makes sense, right? But what happens when the authorities tell me to do something I don't want to do? What happens when they do something I think is dumb? What happens when they do something that I think will under the circumstances... Now I have to wrestle with this, because I made a landmark decision to obey what God says, and God's word tells me to submit to authorities. Here's one of the ways that I struggle with this, speed limits. Am I alone? (laughs) I really wrestle with that. I have to use cruise control or something, or otherwise I just naturally just go for it. And I just, it's, That's an ongoing struggle, but I really do struggle with it. I really do try to obey the law. I really do try just because of this passage. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. It's a, it's a, it's a struggle for me. One of my favorite jokes ever is from uh, the comedian Stephen Wright. He said the policeman pulled him over, and he said, Didn't you see the speed limit it was 55 miles per hour? And Stephen said, I wasn't going to be out that long. If you don't get it instantly, you'll get it in a second. It's going to be one of your favorites in a a little while as well. But seriously, uh, one of my biggest pet peeves is driving down the road, and when there's a policeman right there, and everybody slows way down. Speed limit's 70, and everybody goes down to like 55. Have you ever noticed that? It's like what in the world? Because that same passage says that we don't have to be afraid of authorities if we are following the law. If you're doing 70 and the speed limit is 70 and you zoom on past that placement, you're golden. You're good. You don't have to slow down 15 miles below the speed limit. You don't have to be afraid. That's one of the ways that these landmark decisions set us free. If I'm doing 90 and there's a policeman, I'm terrified. If I'm doing 70, are you you following me on this? It's one of the ways that these set us free. My grandfather always went 55 no matter what. My grandpa, Alan, uh, dad's... Dad, 55 no matter what the speed limit was. Well, if it was less than that, he'd go less, but never more. And he did, I asked him one time, I was like, why? Because we were driving from Oklahoma to Tennessee, and I was like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> and he, he had read somewhere, he'd read some article somewhere, heard it on the news or something, that it's always safer to go 55 or less no matter what anybody else is doing. And he believed that. I don't, but he did. <laughs> And that was a landmark decision. He didn't care how high the speed limits went after that. 55. And Whether we like him or not, we all make those decisions. So do the people around us. The only way we can find unity, the only way we can find purpose, the only way we can work together and get God's stuff done is if we all make this one landmark decision to base all the other ones on Jesus if we all base them on all these other random articles and blogs and whatever else that we all think and then try to fit Jesus in, it will not work. It cannot work. When we say put the hammer down, we mean we make the call to let God make the call, period. It's hard, but it's simple. It's just, that's where it is. Romans 12:1 through two says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. This concept of testing and approving God's will, it's not about evaluating it. It's not like we give God a certain amount of stars and decide whether we're going to follow or not. That decision has been made. What it means is we, we, we analyze it. We choose to approve it. It means we study it. We explore it. We ask our questions. We express our doubts. We express our fears and our frustrations. We wrestle with it. But when we are doing that, we are transformed. Our minds are actually renewed. Eventually, we get to see it from God's perspective. Does this make sense? I sure hope so, because this is where this is the only hope that we have. And this idea of God giving us a chance to choose to submit. This idea of him giving us a chance to test and approve his will. To make a landmark decision to follow him no matter what other questions we have. That goes all the way back. All the way back, Genesis 1, chapters 26, sorry, chapter 1, verses 26 to 31. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. I told you I'd talk more about that word in a second. This word a phrase sometimes that we translate as mankind or human beings, sometimes men, sometimes men and women, brothers and sisters. It, it, it's, it's a word in Hebrew. It's Adam. That's where the name Adam comes from. If you read it in Hebrew, it literally says, let us make Adam in our image. And it's not just talking about the one dude named Adam, Adam. It's talking about humankind. Okay. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule. The passage ends, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And it was very good. And here we see another term that's repeated over and over throughout the scriptures. This idea of good. And what is good? It's what God calls good. What is justice? Justice. What God calls just. What is righteousness? What God says is right. What is sin? Anything that breaks any of those rules. Anything that goes outside of those boundaries. Any of those that doesn't shoot hard enough and fast enough in the right direction. And this is throughout the scripture. Micah 6 eight. He has shown you, O mortal. That's what the NIV says. Guess what word that is in Hebrew? Adam mortal, man, mankind, whatever. He has shown you, people, what is good, what God thinks is good. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God? Last week, we celebrated that God is with us even when it seems like he's not. Even in the hardest situations, he's with us. But since he is, we have to live that way. We have to choose to accept that he's with us. We have to choose to keep making the right decisions. Like Joseph and all the other people we talked about last week. We've got to be the best possible prisoner we can be. Are you, are you with me? We, we've got to do whatever situation we accept that God is with us. And we have to be with him. We walk humbly with Our God, We do what he says is just. We show mercy, just like he does, to each other when we mess up. But what's driving the train is his justice and him being in control. Because we have made the call to let him make the call. I've said this over and over. I'm hoping it's sticking. Is it sticking yet? Because this is so hard. I need it to stick better than ever. And I've been following Jesus for a long time. It's easy to say it. It's easy to agree with it in principle, but then when you're, you really need to go a little faster, and the speed limit says 70, it's hard. This is my plea to you this morning. We're going to wrap up mostly with just a lot of scripture this morning. Uh, band don't come forward quite yet because there's quite a bit of scripture, but we're going to turn a corner here, and this is a simple invitation that we're gonna take is this, make the call today. I don't know where each one of you is coming from with Christ. I don't know where you've been. Some of you I do, some of you I've known a long time, some of you I've known a while, some of you I've just met, but here's what I know. We all have to make that call and we have to keep making that call over and over. That once and for all call to let God make the call is something that every single day, every single new situation, it has to be remade again. Not that we're changing it back and forth, but that's what Jesus meant by take up your cross daily and follow me. It's an ongoing activity. You make the choice once. You keep going. I don't choose every single day who I'm going to marry. I made that choice, but I choose every day to love this woman like Christ loves the church, to bless her as much as I possibly can. That's that's the way these decisions work. And they set us free. If you've ever seen a train going by, sometimes that's annoying. Ever sat at a train, it just keeps going by and keep going by. Next time you're there, next time you're there, try and go this direction with it. Let it be a reminder. Just imagine how long that train is, how heavy that is, and just a few engines are pulling all of that weight. Incredible power, incredible. It's just insane to even contemplate that much power. But you get, you get the train off the tracks, it's useless. Staying on track gives it so much power. Getting off track, is useless. Airplanes are great unless you try to drive one down the highway. Boats are amazing unless you try to drive one down the highway or try to fly one. Are you with me? Like, like whatever we're designed to do, the way we're supposed to function, that is how we are free. And when we make this landmark decision to let God make the call, we're set free in every direction of our lives. On our website, any time of the year, you can see this little quote, something we believe. It is simply impossible to follow Jesus without establishing and living within clear, strategic, moral boundaries. We don't pick those randomly. We don't pick those because our grandfather and his grandfather said they were good ideas. We pick them because we find them in God's word and we're doing our best to follow them. I'm gonna read out of Romans chapter 6, Couple last verses and then we're gonna wrap up this morning. Romans six, verses one to 14. Listen, this is the very word of God. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism Into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of God the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. The life he, I'm sorry, he cannot die again. I lost my place. We know since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Listen, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Listen to the words he's using. He's given us a choice to keep making the choice. First Corinthians chapter six, Paul writes, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So much application in that verse, but the core idea, remember, temple, tabernacle, These are the, this is how we interact with God. We're here to help other people interact with God. That's what your body is. It's the sanctuary. It's not yours anymore. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you, Paul writes in uh, that same passage, the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have completely been defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? This last little passage here, listen carefully. It's not judging anybody. It's not condemning anybody. This is what he's offering. You can make a landmark decision in God's direction no matter where you are coming from. No matter what you've done. No matter what you've been about. How much of a wrongdoer You have been, how much sin has enslaved you and defined you up to this point. No matter where you're coming from, you can be redeemed from that when you make the call to let God make the call. He says, Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed and you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. That is why Jesus and his followers ask us to baptize people. That's why he asked us to make a call. Everything he says about starting your journey with God is a symbol of this. We die to sin. We start a fresh life. We make the call to let God make the call from then on. We baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we teach them to obey all the things he has commanded. And therefore, he is with us always, even to the very end. This morning, I invite you to put the hammer down. I don't know what that means to you this morning. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you have, but you've pulled back a little bit. Maybe you have, but you've never actually gone through the ceremony of baptism that he commands and that the passage we just read makes it pretty clear. It's, it's part of the process. We don't believe the water's magic. We don't believe just dunking you does anything, but surrendering to Jesus does. Are you with me? And if Jesus said to get baptized and you've never done that, this would be a really good day. We got dry clothes up there and dry towels. Maybe there's some other decision he's asking you to make. Some other specific sin that he wants you to give up or a specific thing he wants you to do. I invite you to make that today as we stand and as we sing together.